Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host, Brian, and I know I say it every week that I've got a great show for you, but this week, I have an absolutely excellent show for you. Before we get to it, though, as always, find us and follow us on social media. Just search for Concerts That Made Us podcast and rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps the show grow. Now, let's get down to business. A massive well done to Reg from the Starting Overdrive podcast on guessing who this week's guest is. And if you don't listen to Starting Overdrive, I urge you all to go find it. Like, subscribe, rate, review. It's one of the best podcasts out there. The man is an absolute inspiration and he's actually somebody I look up to quite a bit. Before we talk about this week's guest, I just want to let you know that there's two versions of this episode. The one on Spotify will have songs included. The one that's available everywhere else unfortunately won't have any songs in it. So if you want to hear the version with the songs, head over to Spotify. Now my guests. Their band was one of my favourite bands when I was a teenager. Remember in previous episodes when I said I used to go on long road trips? Well these guys' songs were always on the list. If somebody had told me back then that in 15 years time I'd be sitting down to have a conversation with these guys, I never would have believed them. So, my guests are Rob and Ewan from The Automatic. So I guess there's just one question on your mind. What's that coming over the hill? It's concerts that made us with The Automatic. Hi guys, you're very welcome to the show today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hi. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm very good. I've uh, I'm taking a a life goal off my uh, off my list by talking to you guys today. So very excited. I think that that's like a life goal for me to have someone to be someone else's life goal. I think <laughs> 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 that's a big tick for me. It sounds yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Sounds a bit odd when you put it like that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> just creepy now <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry should we start again <laughs> <laughs> so um we uh we heard your song monster open the show there and i was dying to ask you how do you guys actually feel about that song the way it's one of the biggest songs you had is it cringeworthy or do you guys embrace it uh, I, I think it, it it gave us a career. Like even when we wrote it, we didn't we didn't think of it as typical as what we did of what we did. I don't think. Um, but I'm, I'm sort of neutral. <laughs> yeah, I don't have strong feelings about it as a song. But it's just it's obviously it's, it was always amazing to play it live for the crowd reaction. But I was far more interested in hooking people into the other stuff with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, spoke to I um, 
the guy, uh, Pete Fides, the journalist, about 10 years ago. He got in touch with me on Twitter because he was like, oh, I want to do a radio program about how bands go through dealing with, well, with one-hit wonders and how they go through the, the stages of grief over them. And eventually, <laughs> so you go through, like, I don't know, anger. I can't remember what they are, but you end up at acceptance. I think there was something in that. Definitely gets to the point where you go, yeah, you sort of accept it now. Yeah. Of, in a definitely a positive way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I always thought it is a an absolute anthem of a song. It's a great song, but it doesn't rep- represent you guys as a band totally. You know, it's not like your other songs, if you no. get what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. It's, uh, definitely. It... We we wrote it. So it felt it feels like it was really sort of wrote, written almost in isolation, in its own kind of bubble, wasn't it? In a way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All that COVID lingo just. Said. <laughs> yeah, it was new to us Sorry. back then, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was like a break from writing what we considered the serious stuff. I think. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely like a muck about. Like, oh, we wanted to track together like a sort of discoy pop song after going to see um bank or jar crew in and i think we saw jar crew in electric six on the same gig or something is that right in barfly well it was around that time wasn't it yeah we'd definitely been to see them playing and then felt like we want to do something a bit more upbeat because they're really fun to go and dance around to live i think we had that aim in mind i think the chorus itself was kind of a stopgap till we found something better that never, that never <laughs> appeared. <laughs> we're like, we can be so much more sophisticated than this, guys. And then we just, we just weren't. It'll do. Yeah, it's fine. And it did. It <laughs> <Yeah>. did do. <laughs> when you were, uh, when you were writing it, did you have any uh, inkling or anything that it would be as big as it was? No. Really? <laughs> I didn't, for sure. <laughs> no, definitely not. Because it, it was written really quickly, a bit of a piss about mm. to some degree. Um, yeah. I think we knew it was catchy. Yeah. Yeah, it was sort of consciously consciously an attempt at sort of big dumb hooks, really. Um, yeah. And I think our manager recognised how lucrative that could be before we did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah. you guys have obviously played like some of the largest festivals there is and i can't i can't wait to hear your concert stories but before we get to that would you mind telling us how you formed and became one of the biggest bands to come out of wales in the in the mid 2000s uh you want to start rob uh yeah sure okay i guess in the beginning (laughs) um So me, me and Frost went to the same school, um, but like primary school. So we were about five when we met and we were always, we were always mates from, from, from then on. And I think both of us, I think Frost, Frost had a uh, guitar put in his hands by his, by his dad quite early on. Um, and I played, I think I played flute. <laughs> so uh, we, um, uh, we would jam together writing songs, uh, even kind of when we were like six, seven or eight or something like that. Um, but that was just sort of kids mucking around uh and then yeah you and joined the school when um we were about 11 this year six just before comp yeah yeah we joined like comprehensive and then i think we all started you know that age we started getting into music and bands mm. and like more seriously i think you're kind of aware of it as a up to the age of 10 aren't you maybe but not into it in this if yeah. that makes sense 
and then like we were all into that same sort of i guess okay computer came out around that time didn't it and sort of the last um supergrass album and uh, it's ash and we saw into those similar bands and wanted to do that basically i think with this sort of just did <laughs> pre preteen teenage confidence of oh yeah of course we'll just do it <laughs> it'll just happen yeah <laughs> so we, we were like a group of people who wanted to be in a band but only frost could play an instrument i'd say <laughs> that, uh, that would well, be considered an what, you're okay in a band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, jethro tull which is the aqualung but um and then yeah i think it was like you wanted to play bass i guess was that no, I was asked like to a, pick. It, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Go. So you you played percussion in school orchestra, which made you the natural drummer. Yeah, I used to play timpani, <laughs> so might not be the drummer. And then bass was bass was what was left. And yeah, I, I love playing bass. I I really do. So I got really lucky there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a solid choice. Yeah. And the best bit is when we started off, and we just didn't really have any instruments. So like Rob, had, you know, you're kind of really small. Bass, it was like three quarter size bass playing through like a, like a <laughs> micro hi fi. Yeah. And Using some ingenuity to get it plugged into that. Yeah. <laughs> and the drum kit was like an inflatable chair and a rusty old drum. I think your mum found at a car boot sale once. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was us for like the first year or so. Um, yeah. And some say we never improved. <laughs> <laughs> This conversation kind of gives you a good insight of how we must have felt when people would accuse us of being manufactured. <laughs> the least manufactured process you could possibly go through. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think we we kind of we're really lucky, like quite privileged in that situation as well. So we fell on our feet in terms of like our, our parents were really into us being in a band. Um, and then our school were really sort of supportive, giving, giving us like um, practice space when we wanted. Like every like Friday after school, we were just like to stay behind in the music room and keep playing together. Um, we had quite a decent youth club for that as well, which we were allowed to go and play in. I think every opportunity where you could, we were allowed to play for a band in like quite a rural town in Wales, we were given that opportunity by no one ever said no to us. I don't think we were ever told no about things. And I think because of that, we kind of, yeah, we were able to really just get into it, I suppose, by the time mm. we were leaving school. I think that's it. It's, it's, space is such a limiting factor for a rock band. So it, it, like, so much modern music used to be just made on a laptop and then it's just not, not an issue. But if you're a rock band, you, there's just a fundamental limit on the, on the size you, you can work with. Like, it's got to be X big or bigger. So, yeah, we were, we were super lucky that we could hire out Village Halls for like three quid or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think that happened uh, too easily nowadays for younger no. bands. It seems very lucky. No. Yeah, yeah was... we were really fortunate. And then um, we also got like in Cardiff, there was this really good um, like under 18s club night. So we got that kind of for young bands um, called Teen Spirit. And I always, I always think that was really good for us and kind of a really good um, proving ground like for the live concert aspect because mm. you'd get to play in um barfly in cardiff like i think it was once a month maybe last sunday of every month or something um and you get to give us opportunity to mix with loads of other like local people in bands as well and kind of get you start getting involved in that scene and i think that was really a good place to get started wasn't it and just sort of find so. out feet yeah we would have never we would have never got into a, 
uh, sort of uh, onto a sweaty club stage um, before we were 18 otherwise. So no. just, just getting the head start is invaluable. Yeah. And I think with that, it gave us opportunity in terms of like, we started making connections in places like Barfly and um, the local small gig scene to be get offered sort of support slots when that started becoming, oh, you know, like the band are coming through. We just need the lo- that local band to go on before the mm. touring support and the main act. I think that was really like, we just got, I think we got very lucky in lots of ways. There was lots of hard work, but we also kind of were in quite a lucky situation at the time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, we really were. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, I've got nothing to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to run my mouth for the sake of it. Yeah. No, it's good. Uh, everything kind of came together perfectly. Yeah, I think we took a bit of a chance then, didn't we, at the end of school. It took a gap mm-hmm. year. Thought we we're going to do it. Let's just make it happen in this year. And um, we went to like a really tiny recording studio in my stag while we were in sick form and recorded a three track demo and just sent that everywhere ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, we ended up with a manager um, who picked up in Cardiff and then like a more consistent, proper rehearsal space. Cause he had a studios underneath his offices. And then that's where monster got written mm-hmm. eventually. So I think if, if we hadn't had that gap year, I don't think anything would have happened. No. Um, and it was really kind of, I remember so we've been very close to the limit having to call up university and say i'm not coming like in the summer only a few months before or weeks before we're going there i got a call in fact yeah saying are you coming then so <laughs> we did leave it really late like just after we were kind of on the edge of getting a deal we didn't quite have the deal because yeah it was good it's a great phone call to make though isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> that must have been pretty nerve-wracking though making that joint decision do I stay in the band or do I go to college and waiting for the time to come when you know what the right decision was? I, I don't think it was a particularly hard decision for me. I think we'd wanted it for yeah. so for so long at that point. Um, yeah. I think I'd even been talking to my parents about it. Like, uh, oh yeah, I'll go to university if the band doesn't work out. Like, there's no like, like, again, <laughs> yeah. back to like teenage confidence. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it was a, it was a fate complete really. Um, it, mm. It's the wrong expression, isn't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah, um, it was definitely... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely... It wasn't a hard choice to make. It's definitely one of those fork-in-the-road moments. Though. I do sometimes think about it and go, well, how, what would it be like if I, if it had gone the other way? Who knows? But yeah. it doesn't even matter now. It's moved. <laughs> I suspect I would have done quite badly in a, in a degree I wasn't heavily invested in. <laughs> to be yeah. Honest. yeah, true. <laughs> you, you always want to have... Uh lived the rest of your life though wondering what if you hadn't have chosen the band you know what would have happened if you had oh, have yeah. chosen the band i mean so oh, sure. yeah yeah you definitely oh, made the right choice it's far better oh, yeah, to be yeah. a one-hit wonder than a no-hit wonder i wouldn't call you <laughs> yeah. a, a one-hit wonder now oh, thank you <laughs> yeah so you went on and had the massive hit played all the festivals mm-hmm. then what led to you going on hiatus in 2010? I think it, so uh, it's like a kind of a lot of different things really that kind of culminated in us being like having to make a choice, I suppose, between trying to carry on and really, I don't know, getting ourselves in a bit of a hot, we were kind of in a corner, weren't we? Kind of financially yeah. it wasn't viable 
um, in 2008. Things you know, was it 2008 the financial crash? Right, yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah. And literally, the level we were touring at was kind of very difficult. I think to find people who were willing to pay the amount to go to a gig to make it sustainable. Mm. And for us to survive off it. And then obviously we didn't have a record deal at the time either because that kind of came to an end due to factors kind of out of our control really. And because yeah. the label got bought out by another label, it's this really complicated thing. So we were on a la- we were on a small label that was licensing through a large label, then our small label get bought by a bigger label and they don't want to they're basically working for a rival. Mm-hmm. And then we got caught in the middle of this weird record deal thing and mm-hmm. all the other stuff that was going on in the world. And I just think, just it was it wasn't going to happen. Basically, we would have we would have yeah. basically had to go back to square one because we we um, we had, we had to part ways with our management <laughs> for for reasons I won't go into. So we we would have basically had no income, nowhere to practice, no management, no record label um, <laughs> at that point. So although we would have had we had some profile, I think I, I don't think we were really in a place to carry on as well. I think we needed to go and live our own lives for a bit. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it was, yeah, yeah, definitely an element of saving the friendships <laughs> <laughs> for this, uh, this the, the cost, you know, the cost of the band. Um, yeah. So I think, like, as you, like we've saying, we've known each other such a long time. I think our personal relationship is probably a bit more important at that point than maybe sustaining something that would have made it. I didn't want to get because we'd already had a difficult relationship with Penny when that mm-hmm. all came to a head, and I think we were really we were scared of something similar happening between the three of us as well. Mm. Which, uh, yeah, yeah, it always gets crabby on tour. <laughs> like you get to the end of a tour, it's like I love you guys, but I don't want to see you for at least a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Do you uh, all keep in touch now? Yeah, fairly regularly. I think it's been yeah, more yeah. so in lockdown, actually. Yeah, definitely. I think in the last year, definitely been a lot more, lot more in touch. You and Frost. Um, mm. It's kind of like with. I suppose you say like the core of the band, the three that have always been in the band, with mm-hmm. like a sort of a floating fourth member. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you describe it. Um, but yeah, we're still take offence that. <laughs> no, yeah, he's kind of he's um, he's got a career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Paul's out in America, so he's not so easy to get a hold of. But um, yeah, we we are all regularly in touch because we're all friends. So you know, um, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Also, like, we, there's still, like, stuff going on with the band. Like, obviously, like, we're doing this now, but there's, like, kind of more very boring admin things that we need to be in touch for as well. Just mm. <laughs> paying yeah. tax. Just Isn't it weird that. how, like, a friendship's been, you know, kept kept alive by admin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> HLC and, yeah, keeping us together. Yeah, it's something the government's doing right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um, I think a lot of people will actually be quite angry with me now if I didn't ask the next, the next question. Over the last 10 years, has there been any stage where you have got into a room, you know, like the last scene in Rocky 2 or Rocky 3 where himself and Apollo go in and fight? Yeah. Has there been a, any stage where you guys have all got into, into a room, just yourselves, and jammed together? Uh, Not we really. have. Yeah, as you have. Yeah, um, but not Frost um, yet. <laughs> <laughs> Doors always open. I mean, te- are, yeah. are we technically still on hiatus? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really long one. Could be. 
who knows I, I was thinking I was thinking about that actually you probably would get into the Guinness Book of Records for the longest hiatus ever I don't know man <laughs> you know? do you reckon do you reckon I, I, oh. that'd be we interesting that. to know yeah <laughs> that's something we'll have to find out we should reform just on the basis of getting that record I think if we find <laughs> it is going to be the case <laughs> yeah yeah just give the longest break sorry not not reform because we didn't split up right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to <laughs> pick it back up again. We never even really officially went on hiatus, did we? We kind of, because it, it ended so weirdly. In, it didn't really end. We just never, I don't think anyone still, it was, it was still kind of, there was never that finality to what we, where we are. I think no one's ever said, we're not doing it again. And no one's ever said, we are going to do it again. <laughs> we never draw that line because none of us have the guts to do it. I think, yeah, I think there was definitely that. Yeah, I think I think by the by the time we did our last gig, though, we didn't know it was our last gig. There were still things in the diary at that point. Um, yeah, it sort of trips you up, doesn't it? Because it means someone's got to have the the impetus to go and say to the other guys, "It's just not happening anymore." There's obviously too many obstacles, and mm. like none of us none of us were going to do that. So I don't think. No. Yeah, yeah. So I think we we did get like um some complaints from like fans that we never really had that last gig that they mm-hmm. could come to. Mm. So maybe we still need to do that. Which is fair. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. have liked to have. I would have liked to have done that. I think for, for, yeah. for closure. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So you, I, I've got a bass in the background of this this video. Like I'm always still making music. I'm not going to hang it up. I can't. I don't think. I'm just pathologically <laughs> incapable of of not making sounds with instruments. So, <laughs> I'm glad um, you said with instruments then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, sounds too, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, it'd be wonderful. It'd be wonderful to do another gig, like kind of in any way, shape or form, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've jammed with some some mates bands around here. And we did a, we did a gig for someone's 40th birthday, but that was that was the last one I did. You'll have to remember that now when my 40th comes up. <laughs> 50 quid. <Hopefully. laughs> <laughs> Although hopefully by then it's, uh, what, six and a half years away. So you might be after getting the full band back together. Hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. It'd be for up to 40th by then as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just over. Yeah. <laughs> Sooner the yeah. better, really. The grey hairs have really come in in the last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that actually shocked me as well when uh, I was really big into you guys, like when you were obviously a band. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, I feel like it's only lately I realized you guys would have only been like a year older, older than me at that time. And you were really young to be doing all that stuff. You know, it's kind of crazy to think yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. What were we like 19? We got yeah. a record deal. Frost was Frost 18. Yeah. We did yeah. the first time we were in America, Frost couldn't drink. <laughs> it's like that's how he was under 21. <laughs> like the hilarious. Rest of, yeah. The rest of us were like just over 21. I know. Was, that was unfair. Yeah. <laughs> we went to like Southwest, Southwest and, um, Obviously, there's like gigs happening all over. Is it uh, all over the city in it's Austin, isn't it? Yeah. And then um, we were, yeah, you could want to go to a gig, and then you get there, but Frost would have to sort of wait outside or just oh, find somewhere else to go because they're really strict over there, aren't they? So if you haven't got the wristband, yeah, it's pretty rough. <laughs> Twenty-one, big, big black hardcore X on the back of your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's harsh. <laughs> I think I think being that young probably immunised us against a lot of self-doubt. <laughs> actually because we just got straight into it out of school um yeah. which is probably a really good thing so we could kind of find our feet on stage um so to speak 
and actually get good um, without kind of being too anxious about it. Um, mm. I, th- I think the person I am now, I think it'd be a lot scarier. I think just going back on stage now, even though, you know, we've played Glastonbury, et cetera, et cetera, it'd be scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely have that yeah, naivety to not really care too much. Mm-hmm. Probably a pro anacon <laughs> in various <laughs> ways. <laughs> We uh we better start talking about the concerts you've played. So, um, mm. before we do, actually, just to get an insight into your own music tastes, what was the first concert that either of you went to? We went to the same one, didn't we? Um, That's yeah, easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, oh, in sense, in terms of like together, we went to Radiohead, didn't we? Or are you thinking the word yes? Ooh, well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we went yeah, there's like a dad's ticket to see yes in um, the arena in Cardiff. I think before that, I saw Mark Knopfler with my dad. Oh, <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. So, got the dad rock at the start, I think. <laughs> I <had my> <laughs> and then, like, I think in terms of a gig we went to off our own back, probably Radiohead. In, uh, yeah, it was in um, Tradiga House. Yeah, in Newport on my. Like, yeah. And they were doing the Kid A tour. That's probably like the first, like, Gig, gig. I suppose I, we went to where you'd be like we were stood up in a venue watching a band, not sort of sat down watching old men playing. Prog. <laughs> Although that was good. We watched. We stood up watching young men playing prog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and that was like they were in a big tent, weren't they? They took their venue with them, and that was kind of cool. Yeah, I still got the poster for that gig actually. So, yeah. Look at how old we would have been, like probably like I don't know, twelve, thirteen, something like that. Yeah, so like ninety eight or nine, was it two thousand? Two thousand? I think maybe two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How long ago that was? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Citation needed. <laughs> yeah, because I remember we were going to go see Catatonia before that for my birthday, and then they broke up. So that wasn't the first gig. I mean, Radiohead <laughs> is the next gig. So yeah, um, Radiohead's a pretty good one. It's yeah, that's a good one to say. It's probably yeah. not the most credible answer, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> that's uh it's one of the more impressive ones i've heard i'll say that <laughs> yeah it was fun i think ross was supporting as well but wasn't really into them no <laughs> I don't think it, it, didn't, it didn't have that preteen energy that we were craving did it? mind no, you no, no, radiohead but by comparison <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we'll uh we'll move on to yourselves what was the first gig you played as a band that was that was a birthday party. If, well, it depends on how you want to count it, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Talk- if, yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, you can't, no, yeah. If you're talking like a band, us playing together as a group, doing a load of covers, it was <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the Levy's birthday party, wasn't it, in the local oh. village hall, town hall, in the uh, uh, yeah the scout hall next to the cattle market. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Where rock and roll lives. <laughs> yeah, that was quite fun because we were basically doing. Um, bandioki or whatever it's called you know where the band play and people were just coming up and singing the songs they wanted and that was quite fun um and then i don't know what would you consider our first gig as like a there's a first act first gig is assigned bands was that um master academy yeah so i, I think yeah you've probably got like a few different first gigs in a sense, I think, because we like oh, yeah. we were White Rabbit before we automatically. There were some gigs as White Rabbit, and they were probably those Teen Spirit ones where we were playing our own stuff and 
getting into it. And then, yeah, that Manchester Academy supporting the... Was that hard for the ordinary boys? Uh, I wrote notes before this and I was like, oh, right. I've got a question mark at the end of that. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same tour, wasn't it? We yeah, yeah, I think it was the ordinary boys we supported them. I think it was. They, they were the first half of that tour, actually. Yeah. And that was that was fun. That was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible to be in front of that many people for the first time. Yeah. Um, and as much as saying, like, we were a bit immunised from fear by our age, you still get scared, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like that step up and thinking, because we were like the first act of three, maybe. Yeah, I think sure. so. So you, you're playing in front of like two bands worth of equipment. So actually the stage was really tiny, but the venue was really big. <laughs> yeah, it was good. That it was really fun. <laughs> that, that venue was really fun to play in actually Manchester Academy. because we went back there quite a lot and it was always a good gig. And it, I think yeah, we, we played all the different Academy venues in the end, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. How, did you, uh, how did you come over, overcome the nerves of your first time playing to that amount of people i can imagine it'd be very nerve-wracking i always found nerves quite quite useful really um especially as a noisy rock band if it was like a, a sort of solo delicate acoustic guitarist i think i'd be hosed really i think the nerves it gets me but when you can just kind of hit bass strings for a bit to get to get the nerves, <laughs> it's quite a good thing. you can you can use the energy i think i think we kind of deliberately constructed set lists to start with something Start with a bang quite often. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to slow us down, get worn out just to hopefully slow us down a bit. Yeah. I feel like we always play too well, and it'd be my fault. <laughs> we play too fast. You <laughs> <laughs> can't forget a bollocking. It's not like the rest of us were trying to slow you down, though. To be fair. It yeah. was like, I don't know, we probably managed 15 songs in an hour comfortably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Shrink our album down to 30 minutes. Yeah. I find it weird, though. So, like, when you're playing to a large crowd, it's so um it becomes so big that it's hard to distinguish people in that sense it's it's, you know like so i medium small gigs so i find them much more nerve-wracking in the sense that once i'm on the stage you can see the person in front of you staring at you and looking at you and you're like Mm. watching for your mistakes whereas in a huge crowd it can be quite hard to just pick out an individual with all the lights going on and just it's so much just huge it's like comes this mat yeah this thing rather than a group of people i don't know I, I, I yeah i completely know what you mean i think it's it's 50 people versus one crowd and i think there's the other mm. factor as well is like if you're playing in front of 50 people chances it's either a secret gig <laughs> or you you have to impress them to advance your career Whereas if you're playing <laughs> yeah. in front of a large crowd like they're there to see you so in in some respects it's a lot easier um mm. yeah i always found big ones a lot easier than small ones for the same yeah. reason, psychologically. Yeah, you definitely get like this sort of nerve. You're definitely still nervous. I feel like it's a different kind. Of, I don't think they carry on as much in front of a big crowd for me. Once you're up there, they kind of dissipate. Um, yeah, same, I think. You feel like, oh, you're getting into it, and then you become comfortable. I feel like with a smaller crowd, it doesn't happen so easily. No. There's probably more reticence in a smaller crowd as well to kind of whoop and cheer and stuff like that. And just the noise and energy that you get off a big audience is incredible. I think that's the kind of the band's job is to give some give some energy to the audience and then they pass it back and then you pass that back to them bigger and bigger each time. Mm. Um, it's really hard in front of 50 disinterested punters like who are just nursing pints. <laughs> God. So Coldplay have got it easy is what I'm saying. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> do 
you remember what your go-to song would have been around the time of your first gig? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> As in the one we knew we could play and would just get everyone going? Yeah. yeah. I think before Monster, um, we had a song called, was it Doors or Jack Daniels? We had a song called Jack Daniels Yeah, that everyone seemed to like. And I still like called, that. Yeah, I still like it. Well, Jack Daniels, because it was the seventh song we ever wrote, wasn't it? It was like number seven. Oh, number, number seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite Jack Daniels. Spent um, too much time in bars as kids. <laughs> yeah. And I think Doors was the first track on our first ever demo. So yeah. lots of people knew that because when we recorded our first demo, we just gave it to everyone. Like all our friends and everyone had it as well. So they were the people who come to your first gigs. So you play that and everyone be like, oh, we know this one. So that always went down quite well. Start with a big heavy riff as well, which was good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so the last gig you ever played, and I know you said you didn't know it was your last gig. That was actually the first question I was going to ask you about it. So uh, you've yeah. already answered that one. But what was it? Was it, in, was it Inverness? Uh no, Barrow Infinite. Barrow Infinite. Barrow, okay, yeah. Barrow <laughs> It was like, and it was really weird. I remember it being really weird. Um, not well attended. <laughs> no, it was a really funny um, one. I don't think there was a lot of, a lot of um, marketing for it. Yeah, it was. I was. I can't remember. If it was like part of some strange local festival that was going on. A bit yeah, like a kind of. Yeah, lots of little gigs happening around Barrow. Um, and getting there and there was definitely a sense that it hadn't really been promoted it was just and it was a bit disorganized it's probably it was probably quite representative of a lot of the gigs we sort of played towards the end i where, think so yeah um, <laughs> it probably was actually yeah and i remember there was some we had a few fans there who were like always at all our gigs possibly yeah. um some of them i think yeah it was definitely that was yeah or, or, it reminded me actually of like some of the teen spirit gigs in that it was like kind of part youth club <laughs> the whole point yeah. like half attended <laughs> yeah i'm trying to remember but to be honest like i can remember sort of coming into the venue saying i don't really remember playing it i think i've got i've got some images but it was just like yeah kind of just what i described like a sort of a half crowd and just like people wandering around and like kind of sort of like an old anxiety dream of a gig <laughs> yeah and it's and it's probably one of the worst things because we didn't know it was our last gig there's just there was no reason to think i need to remember much of this no. <laughs> in the sense that and it was so sort of uh an impressive but you know I mean? it just didn't see yeah it was just such a non-event <laughs> it wasn't the worst gig we ever played by any stretch of the imagination it was just really average <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a bit weird and a lot weirder yeah, because it's like a barrow finesse. I think it's like one of the. It's really remote, isn't it? In terms of, yeah. I think when the further north you can go in England before you're Scotland, and then it's still kind of miles away from there. If I'm is correct, it, is I'm it actually England? To... Oh man, my geography's terrible. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think it's like right, like Hadrian, I think there are like walks to Hadrian's Wall. From oh, there okay, right. <laughs> That's what I remember from it. That's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> it would have been better spent like just going good at um, brushing up on a history a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember staying at a strange bed and breakfast. It was like a bit like someone's house. Yeah, there was something uh, of a Mike Lee movie about that place, wasn't there? Yeah. So, <laughs> the, yeah, it's kind of, 
it's a weird last gig to have. Yeah. So just remember it in a weird way. <laughs> remember everything but the gig. Basically. It must be really hard to get energized for a gig like that. Yeah. I, I think you have to get sort of get a professional mindset as a performer, really, and just try and give them as much as as you can. And if, yeah. if they don't respond to it, you've done what you can at that point. Um, but not that it's not frustrating. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever played gigway having just gone on and given it. Mm-hmm. as much as we could i think you just got to haven't you regardless there's that whole thing of like play like you're playing to wembley or whatever that kind yeah. of mentality but i think it helps like definitely mentally if you're playing a difficult gig to just kind of imagine you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine the way the problem crowd and just uh, mentally yeah. mentally sick a crowd yeah definitely yeah i think it, i always just really enjoyed playing live as well so mm. just you know, bawling my lungs out into a microphone and, and yeah. making making bassy noises. Uh, it was just always an enjoyable thing to do. Mm. So and that like, immunizes you against the worst of it, I suppose. If you don't enjoy yeah. that, then why are you there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think we, we love playing together as a band and I think that's yeah. what was the definitely most fun element. And it was always, if you have a gig like that as well, sometimes you, you would get the odd sort of person who's like, oh, I was a bit sceptical about you, but actually really enjoyed it or you mm. weren't what I was expecting normally someone who only knew us for Monster. So, and kind of had the prejudged indie landfill idea of who we were. So that was always quite um, gratifying on a difficult gig to have someone come up afterwards and go, actually, I did quite enjoy you. <laughs> I love, that was our dad fans, basically, wasn't it? Where they <laughs> yeah. kids like Monster, they're sort of pre-teen kids like Monster, and then they came along and they're like, oh, this is right, actually. It's all right. <laughs> they loud guitars and stuff. <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> Better than Bob the Builder or whatever they were at the week previously. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll move on to your worst gig then. Mm. Or worst experience. Yeah. I've been trying to think about this because I feel like it's re- it's really hard to remember terrible, terrible gigs mm-hmm. in the sense that you don't want to remember them. You just want to move on, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think of all the ones where it's been like a really bad experience, it's never been down to probably the gig itself, but something that's been happening in maybe the band or like a, just something not clicking maybe on that gig rather than necessarily an audience or anything like that. I don't know about you, Rob. But. Yeah, no, I think I think I'd agree. I, I I do have a gig in mind, but I think mm. it's sort of more emblematic of, of things that went wrong. But like. I suppose the most personally mortified thing for me is that there was a gig in Southampton joiners and I just basically lost my voice. It just burned out by that point. And we still went on and did it. And I was just like yelping my way through the whole thing. And I was, that was just mortifying. <laughs> yeah. But it's the sort of choice of well, what do you do? Do you cancel it? Or yeah. do you go on and, and suck a bit? And we went the fellow latter option that day. And that was, that was quite hard. And I, I think, I think after that, I started taking slightly better care of my voice. Mm. Um, yeah. I think when it's, you know people aren't getting you're not giving them your best or you can't provide what you want to give the audience mm, yeah that can be hard so we did um it was like when we were um promoting monster it was like this really brutal day i think where we had like five gigs in one day it was some insane thing where we had so like we played fop yeah we did like <laughs> two in stores a gig in um uh a gig at welsh club in cardiff club Evil Bar. And 
I got to skip out of one because you did a gig for like the Welsh BAFTAs or something down in Cardiff Bay at the same time. Yeah, just a weird acoustic thing. Yeah, some weird crazy thing. And at the t- I was also like ill that week and it was horrible. <laughs> I had like a rash on the palms of my hands. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> I just remember being like, this is horrible. And that was like not a fun day. It was a whole set of little gigs that weren't very pleasant. Um, mm. Just because you're like, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember that day as well, and that was that was another one where my voice was like burning out by the end of the day. And that yeah. was, I think we probably shouted at our manager after that. <laughs> so, why the hell has this happened? <laughs> don't give us four gigs in a day again. Yeah. So, there's just a limit of what you can do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I was that the specific gig you had in mind when you spoke about the Southampton one. No, it wasn't actually. That was just a standard gig. Um, yeah. But I'd, yeah, my voice was just gone at that yeah. point. I, I don't know if I'd had a cold or just oh. you know drunk too much. It's <laughs> um. Sometimes it's just, you know, I just didn't look after it early on as well. Yeah. Didn't know how to. Yeah. <laughs> we had some horrible ones, probably towards the end of Penny's time in the band. I think we had some very sort of stressful gigs then. That, yeah. that was kind of a particularly like tense moment in the band. And some of the gigs were kind of, I think he struggled with and we struggled with. To the point we did, um, I, I remember we did a gig at, um, I think it was Card- we did lots of like freshers balls and summer balls at universities because it kind of, that was while well, the sort of gigging season sort of fluctuates, doesn't it? Between sort of you have mm-hmm. festivals in the summer and then like in the winter is kind of like the venue you do your touring in the autumn and the spring, I suppose. Mm. And then in the summer you've got festivals and student balls and stuff. And we did Cardiff Uni summer ball, I think in the grounds of Cardiff Castle in Spire Gardens. And uh, Penny just sort of left the stage about, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> four songs before the end. And we just, Carried on. <laughs> Carried on. It, it was, to be fair, it was fine. But <laughs> it was one of those yeah. things where you're just kind of a bit like, what is going on? It's funny you mentioned uh, Troubles with Penny and with your worst gigs. There was two I had in mind that I thought you might have said. You might not count mm-hmm. one as a gig, but it was the performance on GMTV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was... Um, what happened there? Like, I could see... In Rob's eyes and your eyes, you were like, okay, I'm just going to keep going. What the hell are them two doing? Yeah. I know. Um, yeah, do you want to lead? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. to say. I mean, it's first thing in the morning, which is is never a good time for me anyway. But we, we our manager had been really fucking cagey about, sorry, I'm kind of, I'm, I've sworn. Yeah, okay. work away. It was, <laughs> it was really fucking cagey about, about what show it was we we're going on. And we were like, is it GMTV? It was like, no, 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 it's not GMTV. It's just, this other thing that's just straight after it. And so we got there and it's like, yes, it's GMTV. And it's like too late to kind of cancel or do anything about. And that was that was the origin of all that, basically. Um, that that we've just been kind of blindsided with this information. Yeah, and so yeah. actually that wasn't internal band tension. <laughs> no, that was like, we were just fully lied to by management on that one. We were very specifically told, you've got this gig at the end of the week, um, early morning on tv and we were like it's not gmtv is it because we don't want to do gmtv it's just not what we want to do <laughs> very clearly specifically we're not doing it. no it's not gmtv fucking gmtv isn't it? It and, and behold <laughs> and i think we were on tour at the time uh we we're definitely on tour when we actually because we were playing in birmingham the next day no we we're playing birmingham that day the same day yeah um so frost had been up really late the night before 
and slept in any meaningful way. Yeah. Not with probably still up because it was on so early actually. So we, he, he wasn't like a drunk or yeah, definitely still drunk. Um, there's photos of me eating a banana and it's like I've never seen a man eat a banana in that way <laughs> in the, like, the green room at GMTV and I think it just kind of we when we were miming I think miming we did tend to muck around a lot anyway on other programs like not necessarily take it completely seriously because who believes you're really playing it's obvious when you're miming it's hard to make it look convincing but then I think it just sort of escalated between Frost and Penny didn't it they kind of started mucking it up, yeah, for and sure. really mucking it up, and didn't want to outdo, didn't want to be outdone by the other. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember like really fire and ice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember after just really sort of sh- shitting myself, like, oh, we've just ruined it. We've ruined it for ourselves. <laughs> we really annoyed <laughs> loads of people. But then, like speaking to um, the label, they'd be like, oh, great, people love it. So that was quite funny. <laughs> In fairness, it did look like cool rock star stuff. Yeah. I think it, I guess it was. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was like, it was truly spontaneous. It wasn't planned. I think a few people were, it was again, that little criticism, like that's obviously a setup. You've done that on purpose, but it wasn't because one of the cameramen chipped, got a, chipped a bone in their elbow or something. Yeah, they got hurt. And he got a stand thrown at, around and it hit him. So we ended up sending him a box of wine and we fucked that up because we sent him a box of wine, but it was one of those ones that's actually a subscription. So we were sending him wine for about two years. We only went to him one box of wine. I'm sure it was would something you, like that. I think, yeah. Would you, would you take a chipped elbow for free wine for two years? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Leave that as a, you know, open question. Yeah. We didn't even realise it was going out of the account. But yeah. I mean, it wasn't, that wasn't awful, was it? It didn't feel like the worst kick like, in terms of, it was just a bit... We were between a rock and a hard place because we'd be mugged by the people who were meant to be looking out for us. Like our manager was, did not tell us it was GMTV. Yeah, um, and that's why that happened basically because uh, we got lied to. Um, yeah, but yeah, it felt it felt awful. Like like I said, and it's take, as you mentioned, we were on tour at the time, um, and so that's getting up early. It sounds like a stupid rock star thing, right? But we we keep hours of like sleep in between four or five and midday and one or something because that's like that's appropriate to when you're actually working. Like if you go on stage at 10 PM, you don't want that to be your bedtime. You want that to be the middle of your day or a reasonable time. Um, So yeah, getting up like what would have been the middle of my night (laughs) to be mugged off by by our manager. It it definitely takes you out of that bubble, tour bubble, because I think we, you're even like the tour bus sort of carries on without you. You have to just get up early, jump in a, a separate van and get there. And you're kind of all, discombobulated by it and just like what what's happening what's going on why am i in a weird garden at 6 a.m <laughs> why is that bloke from band of brothers here why he was loving it yeah he was great <laughs> <laughs> Damien lewis but it's just like what is happening and then why is that happening why is penny doing that <laughs> why is he <laughs> banana that thing I definitely wasn't I wasn't aware of what he was doing until like quite a way along I think like you said I was just like pissing about kind of strumming my strumming my bass mm-hmm. like it was an acoustic guitar in like a 50s yeah. band or something um but I, yeah yeah I, it wasn't until quite late on that I was like oh fuck there's there's shenanigans <laughs> yeah because we used to like growing up watching like Muse 
on Live and Kicking and Top of the Pops when they were miming and they'd always like swap around instruments and muck about and not really be doing, you know, because they're miming, so you can. And so we just always just sort of take that sort of approach. But yeah, it just went a bit far that time. <laughs> <laughs> I was always a bit contemptuous of miming because I thought we were a good live band, but like so sometimes it's the only way to, to get on a show or whatever and you kind of take the rough and smooth. But yeah, it's a performance, right? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all that, man. <laughs> Well, it made it very memorable. It did that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The um the other one that sprung to mind was there's a clip of it on YouTube. I think you're playing a festival or something, and Penny jumps down into the crowd, and you're just looking at him as if to say, "What the fuck is he doing?" And I think he hits someone with a mic, then throws the mic off and just walks off stage. Was that the one you'd mentioned? You kept going. No, that was probably another. No, that was that was um that was Leeds. I remember that because I've seen the clip. That's probably why I remember it because it was really good. We that was a really awesome festival, and we played Reading the day before, had an awesome gig. I think Penny jumped down, and I think he got. I think in the clip, he, he someone grabbed his t-shirt, and he kind of got choked out a bit, and then mm. I think he got a bit upset by it. Just so all walked off. Uh, I think. I think. I think he maybe hits. If he hits someone, it's probably to stop them strangling him. <laughs> yeah. I guess I suppose it's fair enough. But then, yeah, it was, um, yeah, that, that, that was an, I think that was a really good gig. Um, I remember really liking Leeds. I don't remember much about the gig, actually, which is a bit worrying. I should watch the clip. That weekend, because we played, I think we played like Reading Festival, which was, I think that's pretty, we'll probably get around to it, but I'd rank as one of our best, like the best, most memorable gigs in terms of. And then Leeds was like the next day. So it kind of slightly overshadowed by the Reading day before. Um, and I remember it being a good gig, actually. I think there was that bit at the end. I don't think it was even aware that it happened, personally. Like, cause it's it probably right, beyond the lip of the stage for you. <laughs> yeah. And, all, and just also, because Monster would have been the last song of that set. So if he walked off, yeah, I think he walks off towards the end of it anyway. It didn't really make a big difference in the sense that Mm. it felt like we'd been abandoned there <laughs> or talked of, um, yeah it's a bit of a different one to the one to talk about earlier but that was a fun festival we were on the I think we had Marky Smith on our tour bus for ages at that one do you remember that yeah we turned up to our dressing room and he was there like eating our biscuits or something wasn't he yeah. like, oh I'm sorry I'm in the wrong room no, he <laughs> he was really sweet up, yeah he was lovely and he ended up sitting on our bus for ages just drinking our booze I think yeah one of our was Jeff with us at that time. Or one yeah, of our it was Jeff. Yeah, he just... absolutely loved the fall, and it was yeah. just the best day of his life. <laughs> yeah, he spent all day in our lounge just chatting. That was good. That was good fun. I think the Vines played as well, and that was good to see them. Um, yeah, I remember that being good, a good gig. But mm. I don't remember it as well as the gig the day before. <laughs> I think Reading was symbolic as well because we we'd been there. That was the festival we went to as kids. Yeah, that was our festival, wasn't it? So. Um, yeah, that Leeds gig wasn't awful. Yeah, I do. I've, I've seen the clip. It's um, a good one. To, yeah, it's good to have a look and see what happens. Cause it's a bit like, oh, they capture the whole thing. <laughs> mm. It's really frustrating because we, we went to uni after uh, after the band stopped doing stuff, and I felt like that's where I learned to remember things. So, like since then, you know, my memory's great. <laughs> the stuff that actually happened during, like, you know, being a rock star, it's a bit blurrier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, free booze every day doesn't help. <laughs> it didn't help, no. <laughs> Don't know what you you're must have been a, an interesting experience. I imagine like every day there was loads of, well, in my head, it's loads of girls running up to you being like, oh my God, you're a rock star. What are you doing here? Was that the case? Or 
Well, I did computer science, so no. (laughs) (laughs) The demographics are what you expect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it didn't happen to me. I remember, because like me and Rob started, we finished band, we both went to uni about the same time. And then um, I did, I was in a different um, part of Cardiff Uni. And someone came up to me going, oh, my friend's in, in a class with a singer from the Automatic. It's amazing. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I didn't like say, oh, yeah, oh I know him. <laughs> yeah, he's all right, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, going to the student union with a couple of mates from the course. And there was um, those quiz machine gamblers. And there was a few of us gathered around one of those. And it's uh, the question came out: Which of these songs was not a UK number one? And the answer was Monster. And they all looked at me like, oh, <laughs> "What's the answer, Rob?" I was like, "It's me for fuck's sake." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> so um, this brings us to the best gig you've ever played. This will be interesting. Can I go first? Uh, me. Um, yeah. 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 I, there's like again we lo- lots of I did lots of different different ones I think Reading that I just mentioned was amazing because I think that was like our like Rob said the festival we went to through school like from GCSEs and saw like loads of like our favorite bands at and then we were playing on the same stage that they were playing on and we weren't just playing on the stage we played in front of like because we were on the I don't know what it's called then. Was it still the evening session stage or Radio 110? Uh, it's Radio 110. Yeah, it's like second stage. And we filled it, the tent. And then outside the tent was the same again, I think. And yeah. we had, um, we like quite, we got on really well with um, Gold Digger and Chain who were there at the same time. So we did Gold Digger and they came on with us for that. And it was just like, felt like every, that whole festival season was amazing. I think if you were going to, Distill it that just but it was like every gig felt like a party at those festivals and you'd get all your friends out to come and play. So we had like um Golly Looking Chain on stage with us. Then um I think Get Cape was touring at the same time, so his trumpet players came on with us as well. Is that correct? So I mean we had like trumpet oh, was players. It, was it some of the guys from Adequate Seven? Yeah, or but like... I think they were playing with Get Cape. Oh right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um so and then we just got all our friends up the gold digger just everyone came on and just that big party and then everyone in the crowd was loving it and they're doing all the stuff you hear about like climbing up the tent to see have better views and things and it just felt like real you know what I mean? it felt really good that that was an awesome gig i think that's one of the ones i marked down as like best gig in terms of everything seemed to click especially at a festival which can be rare because they're so yeah it's a lot um, of control over the situation yeah you're just going on cold no no sound checking or anything you just play it but when it's right it's right and it's really good That's yeah definitely i think i think just before we went on for that kelly jones from the stereophonics was backstage kind of wishing his luck as well and it's like stuff like that's just unreal uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I i think that was the most validation i'll ever receive in my life <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. it's like you say it was like a carnival on that stage as well and i don't and mostly our gigs were just rock gigs so it wasn't <laughs> that was quite an unusual experience in and of itself but it was just incredible it was just yeah. perfect for the moment as well Definitely. I think it's the, the best thing about festivals is that because you, you have so many people there at the same time that you don't often get that when you're on tour because you're obviously you're in a town on your own playing a gig on your own. You can get that kind of collaboration or to get invite people on and it's not a problem. You just kind of do what you want in a way. Yeah. Have really good results. Yeah, it's a really good time. 
that's rare outside the rap world, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they could all their makes with their albums, but you don't do that in a rap. I mean, there's a, another one we did around then. We did Boardmasters Festival down in Cornwall, and that was amazing. Um, yeah. And there's this, uh, it's a really old, grimy clip of it on YouTube, I think, was playing Gold Digger. But we used to get Jamie, our um, guitar tech, on to play the bass for it because Rob was playing flute. And he came on like a pair of red speedos, and that's it. And he's got like, these kind of um, goggles on. I've got trumpet players. And it's like sun setting over the sea, and there's like we're playing. And there's like because it's like an extreme sports festival, as well, isn't it? There's like motorbikes doing flips across the sun setting and things. And it's like that's amazing. That was a really good fun gig as well. Actually. I think in terms of festivals, they were great. If you I just read that description, you wouldn't believe it was a real thing. Would you? Ah, <laughs> yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't really happen like that, does it? Yeah, it, yeah. it did. <laughs> it did. That was amazing. I think it was really high on sugar then as well, because they gave us loads of free innocent smoothies or something. They were like, we didn't get <laughs> beer. We had like crates and crates of this juice. I was just drinking sugar all day. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> that explains so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got the two, two that spring to mind, and I've... <laughs> I've definitely used this example loads of times. There's a gig we did in Concord too, down in Brighton, which is like, I think it's my favourite venue because it's like a massive greenhouse on the beach and it holds about, has about six, 700 people, something like that. Mm. And it's, um, which is like the perfect size. So you're beyond, you're beyond the scary 50 people zone, but it's still small enough that it feels like intimate and like you can kind of see everyone and see them all enjoying mm. it. You see all the way to the back. Uh, and it was just incredible. And it was absolutely sweltering hot. And we'd, we'd been, ill-advisedly sent to a stylist by our label like the day the day or two before and he had some funny ideas about us all having to wear white boxer shorts, <laughs> so <it's> white boxer <laughs> shorts. Uh, we came off the stage before the encore we're like should we just like it's like all our clothes are disgusting shall we just put on these white boxer shorts and go back out and, <laughs> and we did uh in a way that I could only get away with with my um, early twenties body, <laughs> um, and then and then we ran into the sea at the end of the gig, and some of the crowd followed us, and yeah, that was that was magical <laughs> and slightly dangerous, but yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. I thought, like notable mention that I thought, I guess you you mentioned Sam Duckworth turning up on stage with us, and it reminded me that we were the last band to play the Astoria as well, and mm. that's that's. A, solid claim to fame and i think sam sam duckworth will try and make that claim i reckon but he just came on at the end of our set which doesn't count yeah <laughs> we were still yeah. playing was it was a draw <laughs> yeah yeah i remember that being really awesome. fun which one the historia yeah yeah that was fun i think we did there's like I think because we played so many different types of gigs, it feels almost like, like in the same way we had lots of feel ones that feel like our first gigs, lots of ones that feel like they're the best at that level in a mm -hmm. way, like kind of like mm -hmm. the best festival, they have like the best, like Brighton Concord is amazing and that sort of size venue. And then you have like small venues that are really yeah. good as well. Um, and we played like, we did some weird tour where we did like loads of really small venues in Wales. Um, and we played like the Queen's Hall in a town called Narbeth, which is kind of, just past the M4, so it's kind of just off the, I know, about an hour, 45 minutes, hour away from the main roads, and that was an awesome gig. Do you remember that one? Was like yeah. Playing with like Viva Machine, who were like um, our friends who from Swansea, and they kind of had the same management as us, and we played, and it was like, it was like a town hall, but it was like a proper packed out gig, but, and it went off, 
and it was amazing. I think it was the only gig I ever played where I sort of took my top off to drugs. It was so hot. At <laughs> least <laughs> I hate doing that. <laughs> it was amazing. I, I, sort of, I have memories of that gig just being amazing and just really loving it and being so surprised by it. I think people people still talk about those little Welsh gigs though, because I think it's so rare to have a band of well of our stature then, I suppose, go out that far and play those 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 gigs. I actually I can't remember when it was in a, a career, but like the further off the beaten track you go, the more appreciative people are, I think, for you being there. Like um, I don't know how off the beaten track Norwich is now, but we always had amazing gigs in Norwich as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You definitely have like these tentpole venues on tours where it's like we can't yeah. wait to get to this one. Mm. I think like, Norwich Art Centre was one of those. And it's always yeah. a great gig. People who ran the venue were really love like loved what they did. So mm. it was always fun just to be there and doing it. And then um I think Stoke Sugar Mill was another one that was always amazing. Um because it was like this night it's like a big box with like a balcony around it. So it had that and it was just always fun. I know the crowd yeah. were always amazing, weren't they? And they always, everyone loved it. You didn't it felt like you didn't really put the effort in for it to be a really good gig, but <laughs> it's like it became effortless in a way, didn't it? And obviously, we did put the effort, in, but it's just, yeah. They were I think that's like what I was saying earlier, though. If, if if the crowd's going for it and they're giving you that energy, it's so much easier to give them some back. It's, mm. it's yeah. just yeah. It's I mean, it's always the ran. I think the gigs, the memorable good gigs, are the ones that take you by surprise. Um, we had one, I might be the last gig we played in America. I'm not sure, Rob. You know, we played like, um, it was like right at the end of the, we did like a really big tour in 2007. I think seven. Was that yeah. the tour? Yeah, we did like, yeah. yeah, we did walk to Far Byron and we kind of got added on. I think we cancelled the gig because it was, didn't sell. <laughs> but then we were like, moved on to, and we they booked us on a different gig that was run by a ra- local radio station that had been playing Monster all the time. Hmm. Um, but we turned up. Do you remember this, Rob? At all? I can't, like do you remember a, what city it was in? I think it was like North Carolina, either Charlotte. Oh yeah, and it was like proper like <laughs> roadside shack, wasn't it? And yeah, <laughs> but then all these people turned up and they loved it, and it was just amazing, and it was just sort of really surprising because it's like oh, here we go. Because I think America for us was a bit wasn't necessarily it wasn't massive was it it was like no we went off on our own we kind of played to small rooms that were pretty much empty but this one just wasn't um and yeah it was really cool it was really fun america was a weird reaction for us because it was always like small crowds but super enthusiastic so the people who were into us were really into it which is really gratifying but there was just bugger all people yeah. there tiny crowds <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely you have, to, I mean, it's, you have to go out your way in America, don't you, to find bands like us in terms of from the UK who are... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, probably it. It's niche. <laughs> Anglophilia working in our favour. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Didn't you guys have to change your name slightly in America as well? Uh, we did. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, um, this guy had like one single in the 80s. He called himself Automatics. Um, decided that... The automatic was too close and uh would steal his trade or something we'd steal his trade um (laughs) that was interesting because he carried on like he carried on releasing albums and stuff under his own name and he said um part of his argument was that he'd sold more records because people thought he was us (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, so we're improving your sales Pretty much. But I think they, yeah. the record label just didn't want to risk it. So they're like, 
change, yeah. change your name, change your name for the states, and we didn't have any good ideas, so we just stuck automatic I, on. The, <laughs> I, don't, I have, I have a feeling. I don't know if this is like just adding. I'm making this up. That we added to the automatic, automatic because he was automatics. I'm like, okay, so we'll be more than one automatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure there was something along those lines. Oh, fuck you then. <laughs> we'll be automatics, but. That, that oh, sounds like right. our kind of spike, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's something we might have done. <laughs> it was completely arbitrary. We didn't have to do it. And it was just done because it was just risk averse. Yeah. Yeah, of getting sued. Mm. It's an overly um, fearful reaction, really. Yeah. So, yeah, we called automatic automatic in America, but not for any real good reason. <laughs> just to yeah. avoid an argument, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really stupid, isn't it? Like, you can go and break a cameraman's arm on GMTV uh, and the record label will say, this is great publicity, but God forbid you should get sued in America. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yeah. logic. laughs> America's weird, and that's that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do you have any cool or wild rock star stories from when you were on tour? Or were you pretty tame when you were on tour? I think we we drank enormous amounts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think like that regularly with some element of regret. But I think it's what happens when you put a load of nineteen-year-olds on tour with like basically free, unlimited beer, Un- unlimited alcohol. alcohol. Yeah, and it just <laughs> drank a lot. Um, yeah, wild. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. Going to Japan was 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 pretty wild for a number of reasons, and this is like mm. I sort of oscillate between having alcohol regret and forgiving myself a little bit because we were out there for not even three days, I think, and we had to play Fuji Rock and then a gig in Tokyo, um, and so there was a ton of traveling as well. But we were like, we're just we're jet lagged to hell. There's no point sleeping, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we pretty much didn't, um, and we ended up like wandering around Tokyo in the middle of the night. And we did that karaoke with Joe Wiley's husband. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that uh, man, um, he was that guy, there was this like Finnish guy and he was like I, crazy and he looked like Andrew WK with like a giant handlebar moustache. Yeah. And oh, he just, he just attached himself to us. He's like, oh, this rock band is just going out and getting fucked. I am here for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we went to that 24 hour karaoke bar, didn't we? Got like, not we thrown out. them. Just has to leave because we're consuming too much. Politely but firmly encouraged. <laughs> yeah, because it's a whole thing of uh, you, you, you can have what you want, but most of them don't because they're polite and sensible and not 19-year-old rock bands. And, um, and we were just like, more beer, more chips. Constantly. <laughs> 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 Drawing kind of a crowd from the other booths. <laughs> yeah. She had like, I suppose you call her like a Japanese, she was like a, like a fixer, kind of like the label send out someone while you're in another country just to be like, look after you and get you like, like say have the local knowledge but mm-hmm. he'd be like oh there's this great karaoke bar it's like 30 quid each but that's all you pay and then you can drink and eat what you want and it's like up a kind of like lost in translation style skyscraper looking out of tokyo and just <laughs> in a room singing out with john and kiki d at like five in the morning going a bit <laughs> we ended up we ended up in a hotel swimming pool at like some obscene hour of, of the morning as well like on one of i'm gonna say one of those nights there was no distinction because we weren't sleeping um yeah. so and then a, like a really put upon policeman was just like just in japanese saying what i seem to be please just get out of the pool and go away <laughs> <laughs> like the pool is closed the pool go is home. Home. <laughs> 
So yeah. I wish I kind of wish we'd had an opportunity to have more of a cultural experience there, but I don't think we would have got a lot done anyway. There was so mm. little time, um, and we were just so jet lagged anyway that that wasn't a terrible way to play it necessarily. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember like literally sleeping just before the gig in Tokyo because mm. it was just so shattered from the flights, just having to sleep on the floor and like bags. That's like, oh, yeah, want to play? It was a good gig. Yeah, I remember both. I think it was, yeah. was it, there were two gigs, weren't there? I remember both being quite good. Yeah, we played what Fuji Rock and yeah, um, the yeah, like the one in Tokyo. That was really fun. And there was like a part, like a, a Fuji Rock kind of after party in Tokyo that was really fun. Yes. Scissor Sisters were there. Um, yeah, Mystery Jets. Yeah, lots of all the bands were coming there, just hanging out. And that was good fun. It was. Mm-hmm. I, I remember like there were cool cultural differences there, like. Um, uh, when we were playing Fuji Rock, the crowd was really going for it, but they're all pogoing in their own little pockets of personal space. And there's, there's no mosh pits, and it's all like really very polite. <laughs> so it's the most surreal thing to ever see. It's like, this is very un British. They'd be all kind of yeah. elbowing each other in the face at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, overseas, when we were out of the UK, before, yeah, when we were the most off the chain a bit, I suppose. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> yeah. Not we by design. A, we did a tour of Europe that for some reason meant we spent a week touring Holland, like the Netherlands. Well, Holland's the only country we had a number one in. Yeah. <laughs> so. so we literally we like played every city in the Netherlands, but returned to Amsterdam every night. And I remember that being a heavy week. Just, that was. <laughs> was good gigs, though. They were amazing gigs. They made, yeah, so fun. And just... But yeah, every night was a bit of a washout. Because <laughs> it is that thing. It's like such a cliche, isn't it? But when you're doing really good gigs and it's all going really well, you just kind of want to carry on. You can't just stop in the sense that it's really difficult to just go, right, I've just had an amazing hour of adrenaline and now I'm just going to stop and go to bed. <laughs> you don't want to do that. And you're then people... a good book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not to say it didn't happen occasionally when you get like a bit of tall burnout, but yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. I find I I'd imagine that's actually one of the hardest parts is that you'd end up craving being on stage twenty four seven. That it's hard to fill the gap when you're not on stage. Uh, it's definitely yeah. It's definitely the thing I miss most about um, uh, being being in an active band is the gigs because they were just incredible. Um, touring was so much fun. Um, I, that was from the perspective of someone in their early 20s right now, and I wonder if it'd be a bit different 10 years on. But, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah a friend of mine commented, you must have an amazing threshold for, for boredom because like 23 hours of the day, you're just doing nothing. Um, <laughs> and it's it's kind of true. I guess there was always interviews and things to do like that and sound checks, but a lot of the time you would just be wandering around a strange city, not really knowing where you were. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think like, the the approach to touring sort of changes as you go, as you get more experienced as well. I think when the first few tours were so like pretty chaotic in the sense that you're young anyway, you'd never, we'd never not lived at home. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you have to try and figure out how you're doing your laundry while you're on tour. <laughs> so I, I know I just stank for about two to three weeks during that first tour before I realized you can go to a laundrette and they'll do it for you. <laughs> just <stuff> like <laughs> that. You know? I'm going to go into our record label and we go, because um, Paul, who's the A&R guy, would be like, 
because he was in, like looked after the Kai's chiefs. And being like, how do they, how do they have clean clothes? <laughs> how does this happen? <laughs> and I'd be like, I think they go to a laundrette and be like, what? <laughs> I stink. <laughs> it, it's such a weird thing though, because like, okay, yeah, that's that's obvious in retrospect. But at the same time, we used to have to get up and like find a laundrette in a city you've never been to before. Yeah, and like one yeah. you can do it there before you go to the city you're in the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's kind of Tory's weird, isn't it? Like, <laughs> that dead that downtime is really strange. Mm-hmm. Like during the day, especially I think in the last tour, I, I tried to drink less because I was like, I'm getting <laughs> quite fat and I'm drinking too much beer. I need to chill out because I'm gonna just burn out really burn out. So in the last time I wasn't drinking so much, so then I was waking up a bit earlier. And then you're just like, oh, there's nothing to do. <laughs> it's yeah. I think it was a bit tricky as well because it was just before was it just before smartphones or like when they were still mm. I don't know expensive um, yeah so you can just kind of look up what was going on, on your phone quite so easily you're a bit more um, on your own yeah I remember we were like on right on the cusp of that kind of as a band one of the like probably last but those last bands that kind of had that whole thing of smartphones social media just the of that other element we just never really had experienced that we kind of had blogs on our website i think yeah uh, um we were given like it was we were given like free these free virgin media tv phones that were really awful you could watch like 10 second clips of hobby oaks on it <laughs> 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 that's about as smart as the phones got then so, yeah <laughs> it's such a different world in a way i know it was only like 15 years ago I remember when we got a Twitter account as well. It was like a, a guy was like a, a Rodian photographer for us. Um, set, it was like, you guys should have a Twitter, Twitter account. It's going to be huge. And set one up. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, what are we going to use that for? <laughs> What's yeah. this all about? <laughs> it's so funny in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> we just, yeah, just didn't have that. It's kind of weird. It would have been very different if we did, I think. I'm kind of glad. Yeah, it's a mixed bag, really, because we might have been able to do clever things with it and prolong our career, pro, excuse me, prolong our careers a little bit, but we did avoid the risk of any social media snafus, which huh? I yeah. think, given that we were growing up and uh, more publicity than most people do anyway, like could have said something and advised and destroyed our <laughs> career in an instant. So <laughs> got ourselves cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's lots of intuition at back. You go, Oh God, why did I say that? <laughs> if I, I think like, oh, so, yeah. A lot of people don't have that stuff written down, do they? So, no. <laughs> no, no. poor, poor Jim said. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, at this stage, I usually get slightly more personal, not too personal, but slightly more personal. <laughs> so, um, if you could talk to yourself back then, what advice would you give to yourself? <laughs> um, I think. I obviously with yeah we have the hindsight that's the point um, to, to be like write stuff down I re- I really regret that I don't have more of a record of things that happened then that I can mm. easily just like even if it's just a note like today we did this just like a diary just something because I feel like I took it for granted did take it for granted quite a lot yeah and when you're in the midst of it why would you you can't go into it imagining it it's going to end because that's not going to help. So I just wish, but I wish I sort of just kept more of a record of things. And 
conversation like this would be so much easier. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> let me just turn to my diary. <laughs> <laughs> just, well, there's, I just reading I journal had, entries. Yeah, <laughs> over Zoom. <laughs> just more of a record of what went on, what we did, just to because I think as time goes on, you just you forget, don't you? And it's just like yeah. We did, we did hundreds of gigs and how many yeah. of those do we actually remember? Like there must be some that have just com- completely gone from my memory. Yeah. I remember like at one point, sort of when we were early on being like, oh my gosh, we've always played like, we played a gig like at least on average four gigs a week or something this year because it yeah. just adds up. So yeah, I just, I wish I'd, my advice to myself and I'd be like, write it down, do your homework. <laughs> 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 just have something to remember this by or just a bit more because yeah, the internet's not very good for us because we're like we said at that stage before smartphones. There's mm. actually not that much online about us anymore either because like the websites disappeared, so it's hard mm. to find a lot of stuff. Lost to the mists of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I I guess I wish I'd written stuff down as well, but I I can't do that now, so I don't think I'd be able to do it. No, <laughs> I probably wouldn't give myself that advice. I reckon I would have just uh, encouraged. I think I would encourage myself to take a step back and properly expand skills as a musician and start networking with people and look for what else you could do as a musician just to keep just to be able to keep the ball rolling i think mm-hmm. so it's too much of kind of when you got back off tour it's catching up with other people and like not necessarily honing your craft like um when the connection cut earlier i was chatting to you and saying like actually i'm, I'm a better musician and singer uh at least not technically i'm out of practice but um now uh than i was when we did the last things with the band because i've just kept going and kept learning and actually put more time into it in a deliberate way um mm. we spent a lot of time in the studio but i suppose i was just getting better better, better and better at playing uh bass and um singing in the context of the automatic but not kind of like taking time to really work on my voice and understand what i could do with it and that kind of thing um yeah. so it'd be interesting to know if i'd start doing that then where i'd be at now um, yeah. yeah yeah i think uh, yeah to, if we we could have chilled, like chilled out. We went on full, we, so we went like hundred miles per hour, didn't we? And we kind of, we yeah. toured, then we recorded, then we toured. We never really gave ourselves a decent break. And I feel like we should have had a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have lived it a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we struggled, didn't we? Because we didn't give ourselves that time to go out and experience other stuff. It was the band for so long. Yeah. While we were doing the band, it was the band. To the point where we'd kind of be just going into studio for no real reason other than we're meant to go into studio today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be like almost pointless because you can't just go into a studio and just be like, let's just create without having experienced stuff to take in as well. And we sometimes didn't do that, I think, to our detriment. We should have maybe done a bit more outside of it. Yeah. With our time. It was the way we always written was was collectively rather than one person um, coming in with a song. And it was the automatic music would never have come about any other way but at the same time it was kind of it puts all your eggs in one basket because if you lose a place to to practice you can't write anymore or at least not in that way um so yeah it was it's a bit it's a bit tricky there were definitely days in the studio where we just <laughs> we shouldn't have been there for sure 100 yeah. percent agree on that a dark yeah. moldy studio <laughs> yeah i think that was one of the driving factors towards the end was kind of like oh what are we doing we're just going in like nine to five just sitting in this windowless room <laughs> like it just wasn't great at least we have windows during lockdown that's nice yeah that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you uh you touched on things disappearing offline i've noticed that 
there's quite a bit of your songs not on streaming services. Have mm. you uh, fixed that, or is there any sign of it being fixed? We're trying to. It's, yeah. um, it's all collab- like part of what we mentioned earlier in terms of our label. We're licensed through Universal. Mm. Our label got bought by Warner Music. So our catalogue, I think, we think, is now owned by Warner Music. And then whatever thing on Spotify and the streaming services lapsed. And I think it's literally a case, isn't it? Uh, someone needs to go on their website and just tick a box for us saying, put that music yep. back on. Oh, but we don't know who that person is. And we've, we've try, we're trying to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. right, Rob, you got hold of our old label, didn't you? Uh, that was an interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know who owns our records now? Uh, no. <laughs> Short answer. Like, oh, wasn't it Universal? I'm not sure. Okay. All right. What can we do? It's like, well, if you re-record the albums, you could put those online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of in the process. Like, I've spoken to Spotify directly, and they've just been like, "This is what happened. You need to find the person who can tick, press the button." Um, so. Try we got probably putting off as long as possible having to just get in touch with a, a solicitor or someone who actually knows how to do it because yeah we try to do it cheap as chips but because um, <laughs> we're not we're literally sort of I guess we're all self sufficient now in terms of um, the way the band is run it's just us hmm. we don't have those people who can go and sort this stuff out for us anymore we have to do it ourselves yeah. so we're figuring it out we spoke to the guy who signed us he's in Australia now and then again. You get so far and then they sort of just disappear it's like hard to yeah i think he's, he's got his own stuff going on so i don't yeah. know if, yeah i can't speak for him but it, you know if he if he goes dark there's nothing we do you know yeah, yeah. So. so we're left to like tweeting at big four from our is it big four big three <laughs> the yeah. big record labels um, yeah from the band twitter, twitter account and hoping for the best <laughs> give us a call it's been good yeah i I had a cursory glance last week just trying to find some kind of contact information and then it's just obviously i remember this from when we were trying to send demos out they're pretty impregnable in terms of how you get in touch with them because they don't want everyone getting in touch with them Mm. so um it's probably gonna be case yeah i need to contact our like lawyer solicitor she's really good and she knows people so Mm -hmm. just that she costs money (laughs) yeah 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 so um but yeah, hopefully, I'd like to. I'd like to get it all back on because I think Knock Sense anyway is 15 this year. And it seems like it's rubbish that you can't listen to it really without mm-hmm. having to go out and buy a CD. And no one buys CDs anymore. So, so no one can listen to it. No one can listen to it. <laughs> and it's not on vinyl. It was never on vinyl. So yeah, we, yeah. we're trying to figure, we are trying to sort out. And this is a fix as well. Mm. Um, I think Monster is still on something, Apple Music maybe. It's on Spotify as well. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I think they're on there as like compilation albums on something yeah. else. Yeah. Mm. It's a so, tangential route, isn't it? Yeah. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to sort it out. But, um, it's, yeah, this, when you're out of it, you're out of it. It's really weird. And it? it's kind of, it's very much a closed mm-hmm. loop. So I think yeah, this is It's partly a problem of having, you know, not, not being on any terms at all with our old management now. Like mm. they were the ones with the connections, which was their job, but it's, it leaves you in, in the cold. So mm. yeah. It's kind of a weird yeah. situation though like it's your songs but you don't own them and you don't know who owns them it's kind That's of right. a it's yeah. very strange <laughs> yeah. oh, man, it's fascinating but yeah it's, it's <laughs> pretty pretty punitive to the actual people who write yeah. the songs it's one of the that's one of those cons i was talking about earlier being like 19 and naive when we went into this there's lots <laughs> of things like that where it's like 
we didn't really you're not aware of what's going on business-wise we mm-hmm. didn't really have any control over that which just kind of that was happening around us but we didn't care because we were just having fun playing gigs and making music and that's yeah. what we did but then so. you, you're never really thinking about or oh, <laughs> what's happening to the rights of these songs <laughs> now you just assume but i kind of yeah I, yeah it's, it is a weird one i don't think anyone mm-hmm. knows which is even more weird <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't doubt that we've just slipped between slipped between the cracks somewhere, but it's the fact that you've got no recourse is the the weird thing, because like I'm sure the record labels would be like, yeah, sure we'll make another like thirteen p off your songs, and it just means clicking a button. Like why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, it's just a funny quirk of us being caught between a licensing deal and two labels that are in competition, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> rather annoyingly. Yeah. So if you end up speaking to anyone from any of the big three, could you uh, (laughs) mention our predicament? (laughs) You'd never know. They could be listening. If they're listening, press that button. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The last couple of questions then. um, I always ask, if you could see any performer or band throughout history in concert for one show only, who would it be? I'd be quite obvious, probably, and say Bowie. But when he was like thin, thin white duke, like station to station era, mm. or maybe like an end period. I think that'd be really fun, really cool. Just because Bowie never got to see Bowie. He's one of those people because his death was so sudden, wasn't it? Yeah. And it's you kind of assume, oh, I'll get around to seeing Bowie at some point. And then it's like, I'm never going to get around to seeing Bowie. So if I could, if I could, I think it'd be Bowie. Because I just know it'd be amazing. A really good show. So I remember watching his Glastonbury performance. It was like showing again recently, wasn't it? Maybe last year when they had all the weird lockdown stuff because Glass wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Um, from like 2003. I remember watching that at the time and just being like, he had this amazing bassist. I can't remember her name. She actually plays like a five or six string bass and just like incredible. Yeah, it wasn't Esperanza Spalding or something, was it? I don't know, but just he always had like an amazing band. Or maybe it would actually be really cool to see him do like Let's, the Let's Dance stuff. It would be like Steve Ray Vaughan and like Niall Rogers. I don't know if they did touring oh with God, him, but yeah. you, can you imagine seeing that? Like Bowie with Niall Rogers and Steve Ray Vaughan and just... It's even better than the automatic and goldy looking chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if they toured, but I think that would be incredible. I think it'd just be a great show. Obviously, it would be a great show, but it'd just it'd be just one of those ones to see, wouldn't it? It'd be amazing. Mm. I think that's mine. Yeah, it's it's pretty hard to be that. Mine's equally obvious, really. Um, So I'm going to give you two answers, actually, because one's one's Freddie Mercury with Queen, um, Mm. because they were probably, I think they're probably just objectively the best band, like on any criteria you choose to to choose to take. Their top drums card would be completely unassailable. So (laughs) (laughs) it's just amazing. Um, And Freddie was probably one of the greatest singers in history. The greatest compliment I've ever been played, or certainly like, you know, top five, was, oh, your voice reminds me a bit of Freddie Mercury tonight. And I think that person was wrong, but what a sweet thing to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Like, holy shit, I'm not going to top that. That yeah, would have been like, I'm giving up now. It doesn't get any better. I've reached the Pretty highest. Much, yeah, yeah <laughs> well, like, tell me exactly what I did. Bottle it. My my non-obvious answer. Um, so I've been learning the piano for the last few years. I was going to say Chopin, but I don't actually think he performed. Uh, so I'm going to say Bach, just to see what a historical great would be like. Uh, it's a super pretentious answer, but I'm still curious <laughs> if I was, you know, Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> 
first time I've heard that on the show from anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if there was a soundtrack to your life, what song would appear on it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay, I got I got one lined up. I got some notes. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right. Um, so my 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 fave band that I always go back to a clutch just because they're so much fun, uh, just relentlessly fun band. So probably Earth Rocker. Uh, do I think I'm an Earth Rocker? I'd like to think I'm an Earth Rocker. I'm not an Earth Rocker, <laughs> but it'd be awesome. Aspirationally, I love Earth Rocker by Clutch because it's just 100 miles an hour, big, dumb, fun rock song. <laughs> Good yeah. choice. Good choice. Oh, I can't think of anything. I'm not as prepared as you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I wrote notes. Yeah. Really nice. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, because I, I think maybe not for now, I mean, a bit... I say outdoor type by the Lemonheads would be a good one. Just maybe about pretending to be slightly something you're not to get get what you want in some ways. <laughs> I won't go into. I don't know. Um, yeah, just that whole yeah, maybe faking it till you make it slightly um, in some ways, and uh, not necessarily in the band aspects of my life, but other aspects of my life. I'm probably outdoor type by Lemonheads. Definitely one I still go back to all the time as well. It's like one of my favourite songs, so might as well be on there. <laughs> It's a great description of adulthood as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Faking it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So many situations. I think in a band, yeah, just pretending you feel, you know, being as confident as you are meant to exude. Mm. That confidence, just pretending you have that confidence. Obviously, yeah, I think it's going to make Performance. Performing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would be it. Not a bad choice. Um, we kind of touched on it at the start. But last year you put out a tweet about playing a couple of small gigs and if people would be interested. Is there anything set in stone for after the pandemic and all this crap is over? Um, nothing set in stone, no. say that for sure. Okay. <laughs> but we kind of, I don't know, it's one of those, probably it's not me and Rob that need convincing in order to play a gig. Um, mm. we, we'd like to. And then it's, it's sort of, it's like, it's like this not exactly it's 15 this year, which I think is quite important. Feels quite important to me. I don't know. To do something would be really good. But it's kind of logistically, obviously that probably wouldn't be this year. If not, yeah. maybe it would be next year. <laughs> Who knows? I feel a bit like a relic when I think about how we go about doing it. Because yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely love to, but like God, it, even my equipment's probably like 10 years out of date now. Apps <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. how, how do you do a show now? I have no idea. So yeah, but they're, they're surmountable problems, really. If you we if you find someone who knows what they're doing, they, those things will happen. All we'd have to do is practice. Yeah, I believe it's possible. <laughs> I think we'd like to. I think especially it feels like the last year or so. There's definitely an appetite there. It seems loads of like we started like our using Instagram just because of lockdown. To be honest, I was like a bit bored of this, but and so many people like yourself have been getting in touch on there mm. just to talk. Um, uh, just or like just ask questions or just ask about oh, what's going on you can do some gigs and things and people there is interest and it'd be nice to do that again i think it, we need to all be in the right position to do it situationally in terms of our lives and circumstances and being able to gig at all at the moment yeah just day, day jobs and families i think we we need quite a long lead time just to get to get that sorted um we don't have that um, <laughs> 
privilege of flexibility anymore where you can just go and do it whenever you want because you have to be like oh i've got to book time off work now or, <laughs> or could we do it so it's only on weekends or and just general who's gonna look after the baby What's gonna happen? <laughs> so, i couldn't stay out till 5am if i had to work the next morning come off stage about full of energy and i'm going to bed <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so we'd like to i'd like to yeah it sounds like a lot of no, but it's it's not no. It's just kind of thinking around the problem. <laughs> no, it's very optimistic. Uh, I've been saying I'd like to for about 10 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Since we stopped. Um, yeah, it'd be good to do something small. Just because mm. I think it would be fun. And I think I think we'd have the guts to do anything bigger than small. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have that kind of presumptive arrogance thing. Unless a wealthy patron were to make it worth our while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, small to start with. I'm sure yeah, yeah. there'd be a massive reaction and you'd have to announce a proper tour then. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> fun. Be good. Whereabouts are you? You're in Ireland, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Southern Ireland. Waterford. Waterford. Oh, okay. Oh, we played Cork, didn't we? Yeah. A long, long time ago. I don't know if that's near you. It is. It's only... About an hour down the road. Oh, okay, yeah. That was that was a really fun gig. There was no one there, but the people who were there were doing like traditional dancing and things. It was a long drive, wasn't it? It was. I was just going to say, uh, if you want to pick your small gig for somewhere around Cork, it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <do it. laughs> oh, my sister lives in Dublin, so we could crash at hers. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> do it. <laughs> So we're coming together. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I'll start scouting like small pubs and clubs during the week. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really fun, actually. <laughs> like guerrilla gigs in tiny yeah. pubs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, finally, before I let you go, is there anything you want to say to the listeners or an impression you want them want to leave them with? We've covered a lot of ground in this, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jerry's biggest thought for the day. Be good to each other. Um. <laughs> but, yeah, but be good to each other, which should go without saying. But but go go to gigs and support venues when um, when things are normal in the after times. Um, yeah. Because venues are going to be hurting at the moment. Yeah, it's struggling, isn't it? So mm-hmm. Got lots of friends and people we used to work with or people still in bands who are like, yeah, having a tough year. So when we all get the opportunity, don't take it for granted and just get out there and yeah. start going. We, we've got a gig. We're going to see McCluskey and Jarker in a year's time. We've already booked our tickets. For yeah, bad reunion. Away. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the carry didn't happen, but we managed to gig. Yeah. We're not playing <laughs> gigs, but we're going to gigs. That's a start. Too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was how we got into playing gigs in the first place. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Reignite the spark. Yeah. Keep going to gigs. That's a solid statement. Great. The last question then is, uh, at the moment, my favourite song of yours is Steve McQueen. And I always think it's funny in hindsight now, the line in it, my last performance escaped me. It always <laughs> kind of sticks out at me. Damn it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What's, uh, what's your favourite song if you were to listen to your own? Or do you listen to your own music? I do and cry. Do you have one, Rob? Do I get this? Yeah, okay. Um, for me, it was accessories, I think, because we never quite got 
around to getting it nailed live, but a lot of people said they always wanted to hear it. And I like, you know, blowing my own trumpet. I thought I did quite a good job with the lyrics on that one, which I always found mm-hmm. quite, I was found quite hard. Um, so yeah, that one was, I was going to say it was, it's not quite a departure for us, but not, uh, it was a little more sophisticated in some ways than, than a lot of the stuff we did. Um, so yeah, I really like that one. I've got a big soft spot for that one. Mm. Um, it feels predictable because I don't really like it, but I think people don't necessarily know it, but magazines is probably my mm. favorite. I feel it's like, Similar to Rob, I feel like I think pretty much anything maybe off this is a fix. I'll, I'd say I like. It can be hard to choose one. I think magazine is definitely one of those. So I remember recording it and just really enjoyed the process behind it and feeling. It feels like one of those songs. I think it's rare when you record a song necessarily for it to always come out how you wanted it to in your head. And that's one of the, I think it's one of those ones actually. Event when it did, we finished it. It felt like that's what it was meant to sound like and it sounds exactly like how I imagined that song would sound on record and perfectly for me anyway into maybe just because I'm thinking in terms of drums and stuff but we recorded it in um LA and with Butch Walker and I think he was really knew what to do with that song and it clicked with what we wanted to do with that song and it, it was it recorded around the same time as Steve McQueen actually as well wasn't it all in the same sessions the yeah, accessories was there or was that in Cardiff uh i think Stephen queen was there because because yeah. um butch ended up mixing it as well and i remember yeah. it, hearing it on the radio like it just they, we had like a great college rock mix that so really just popped out it was, yeah, it was like bollocks isn't it as well it's like still chunky yeah um i remember like magazines i really enjoyed the drumming on it in the middle so like paul wrote paul sort of brought the riff didn't he and he was like i want yeah. this happen. and then, like, he had also had the drum idea but then in the middle there's like but these like some really big sort of reverb drums and I remember we had uh, hearing this sort of documentary about um, Bridge Over Troubled Water where they're like, oh, we really slowed down the tape and played the drums at the end to make, so when you, and we sped up the tape and played, the, recorded the drums. So when they play back, they sound really like huge. And like, and on that song, you got a really long reverb snare sound. And then I was like, Butch, oh, can we try that on this track? Because I just want to try it. And I remember just him being like, okay, let's like double, or I don't know how, multiple times the speed of track we'll play drums along to it just do loads of fills and we did it and they just sound like massive i really like it it just sounds fully like exactly what i wanted i was just really chuffed with that track i love that song i think it's really good i think it's kind of got a nice swagger to it i i think oh man i've said this <laughs> you would simply say this uh, a lot of times before but i think if we'd managed to get magazines released properly we'd be having different conversations now i think uh i, yeah. I think that was uh because it was a solid sing- pop song. Yeah, it was yeah. the single after it was slated to go after Steve McQueen. We even had like all the promos made up for it and stuff. Um, and it just that's when the kind of the record label relationships between each other all collapsed, literally just before that was released. Mm-hmm. Oh. Essentially, but kind of not just it was kind of ongoing around that time and they just never never got yeah. it to there. I feel like if that had come out, that probably would have been the song that made us not a one-hit wonder in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we had Steve McQueen, which was a lot more um, credible, I guess. It, it was probably more like the things we originally wanted to do as a band. Just yeah. a sort of uh, more of a straight rock song, I suppose. But then Magazines was a completely different proposition again. It was like a really it's like a heavy groove, really. Yeah. I think it was like a really good, like, uh, in that it was one of those songs as well. It's very wet. We benefit from Paul joining the band. So it's like Paul came to the band, wanted to do pop songs. We wanted to do rock songs. And that kind of like the perfect kind of 
collision of those two ideas in the sense of yeah it's really oh i wish that had been released yeah <laughs> i wish it had made it but yeah. it didn't and now everyone just have to try and struggle to find it on cd because you can't stream it anymore <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you get off youtube somewhere i'm sure the, the, the premise of the song is probably like not even recognizable to kids these days like who reads magazines anymore yeah. <laughs> they <don't even> exist. <laughs> they're online <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you'll have to rename if you do get it re-released you'll have to rename it e-zines <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, how am I going to make that scan <laughs> Apple News Plus <laughs> well guys that's uh, that brings the interview to an end thanks a million for coming on I've really enjoyed it mm-hmm. thanks for asking us it was a yeah, pleasure yeah I've chatting yeah it was, good. it was good fun i yeah. hope you enjoyed it i know the listeners are going to love yeah, it really did oh brilliant thank oh. you yeah thank you for listening if you did <laughs> yeah thanks everyone it's gonna say buy our records but you're gonna find them first <laughs> <laughs>